welcome to a new episode of Set Lusting Bruce, your podcast all about Bruce Springsteen, his music, and mostly his fans. I am your host, Jesse Jackson, and joining me today is Patrick. How you doing, Patrick? Doing great. How are things? Yeah, things are great in Dallas. Uh, we had all in our 70s weather today. I was wearing short sleeves. It was absolutely wonderful. Where are you calling from? Saratoga Springs, New York. Oh, so you guys had 80 weather too, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Patrick, thank you so much for being here. It's always fun to talk to a Bruce Bud. But before we get to your Bruce journey, I always like to start with your musical journey. So tell me a little bit where you grew up, what kind of music you listened to in the house when you were a kid. Oh, man, this could get me in trouble with some of the, the listening audience. It's funny, though. You know, I, we grew up very, very poor. My mom raised three kids and all the bills by herself. She worked three jobs. So, you know, we were either outside or we were listening to music because music was free. Yeah. So musical journey wise, I grew up starting. I always loved the Beatles when I was really, really young. As a matter of fact, I had almost all their singles on 45, which when I was older and dumber, then used as Frisbees out in the yard. <laughs> so I kind of kicked myself about that. But uh, we were, we, I was raised on a diet of Motown because my mom was a huge Motown fan. Motown and Barbara Streisand. That okay. was what was always playing in our house when my mom had a record on the turntable, which, you know, Bruce, Bruce draws a lot from Motown. So yes. there's, a, there's, a great, there's a great connection there. But that's what we were listening to growing up for the most part. I didn't start really collecting albums or things until I had a job where I could pay for that. So eighth grade, ninth grade was when I started buying things that were uh, buying albums and not just buying singles down at the local store. So, Patrick, when did you graduate high school? 1985. So it would be CDs, right? CDs started my third year in college, roughly. Okay, so you were still doing albums. Um, so I graduated in 1977, so it was eight tracks for me. I remember uh, those as well. Absolutely. My mom and dad, my dad was in the army. She did not work outside the home. And they got divorced, I guess, in my freshman, sophomore year. They had been fighting for a long time. You know, I remember struggling. I do remember those days. I think no matter how successful you get, if you were raised in that kind of environment, it never leaves you. You just echoed something I tell my wife usually every week. Yeah. You know, and growing up poor and as hard as my mom worked, you know, one of the things that I, I, I have a vivid memory of being much, much younger and she was on the phone with my aunt and I remember her crying and she didn't know I was there. And she said, you know, I just don't know how I'm going to feed the kids this week. And I'll never forget that. And that's one of the things that drives me. You know, I, I'm a reasonable, reasonably successful business owner now, but my wife laughs because people call and say, hey, do you want to bartend Saturday night or do you want to go do this job or that job? And even though I have a successful business, I usually say yes. And she's like, why do you do that? You don't need the money. But like you said, once things like that are ingrained in your, you know, you, you can never escape your childhood. I have a big problem with wasting food. Same here. 
And I also, my son laughs about this story. When when we were younger, when we went to the movies, we did not get popcorn and Coke. It was enough of a treat that we were going to a movie. When I was old enough, always got popcorn and Coke when I went to a movie. Don't care if we'd had a major meal 30 minutes before we go to the movie, I'm getting popcorn and Coke. Once it was with Chris, is my son, he, we, he was still fairly young and we went to the movie and we had just eaten i don't know where like you know maybe a pizza place or something and i was like you know do we need popcorn and coke you know gosh i'm just kind of still stuffed dad we've never gone to the movies without getting popcorn and coke okay let's get popcorn and coke i got a great story to go along with that yeah, please i i'm a ben and jerry's franchisee now now okay. a lot ben and jerry's in texas although my good friend hunter rose owns the uh I think he's in Dallas or near Dallas, owns the Ben and Jerry stores down there. But in Plano, I think there's yeah, one in Plano. Plano. Yeah. I don't eat our ice cream. Once or twice a season, I get up, leave my store, and go in my Ben and Jerry shirt, go get soft serve from one of the other local places, and then go back to work, sort of as an homage to my childhood. But Oh, that is a great big, story. But it's a big joke in Saratoga. It's like you own... When I, when I show up at these places, they're like, not only do you own an ice cream store, you own a really good ice cream store. Yes. I always I leave a big tip for whoever serves me, and I say, I was never here. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's great. So, that's true wonderful. Story. No, no, that's cool. So when did you first discover Bruce, Patrick? Oh, this, this is an easy one. When I was in sixth and seventh grade, so right around 1979-80, the river had come out. Obviously, as you know, Hungry Heart was the first top 40 type yes. charting song for, for Bruce to go mainstream. Right. All the kids in my middle school, there was a, a big poll of, well, who do you like? Who do you like? Which Bruce had won, hands down. Right. They were like, who are you voting for? And I said, well, Bruce Springsteen, because like everyone else, I loved Hungry Heart back then. Sure. And only then... After I had already cast my ballot, and I listened to the river for the first time, and I, it it gripped me. It's still probably my favorite album. It's between that and Wild and Innocent. So the river was the first Bruce Springsteen album I bought, and I did play it, and I did was impressed with it, and bought that on a cassette, and would listen to it in the car. You know, when my wife and I uh, would go on car trips. Uh, so yes, there is a special place in the heart for the river. Once you've heard that, did you just continue to try and look for some of the early releases? What kind of was the next step in this journey? The next step didn't happen until a couple years later when a friend of mine played Wild Innocent East Street Shuffle. Okay. And I heard Rosalita, which to this day is still my number one favorite song by any artist, Bruce or otherwise, ever. You know, they always say, "What's one? if you had to pick one song or if you could have one meal. So my song yeah. has always, always been Rosalita, even though there's probably 40 or 50 other Bruce Springsteen songs that I not only love, but, you know, would call my favorites list. You know, it's funny, through this whole process, people are like, what's your favorite Bruce song? God, that's like trying to say, you know, which of my daughters do I love more? But yeah. if I had to pick one, you know, I will always stay with Rosalita. So I discovered that right around my sophomore, junior year of high school. 
And that's coincidentally also when I started discovering girls, which is when I discovered breakups and girls breaking up with me, which is when I discovered darkness on the edge of town. Yeah. And playing it as loud as humanly possible and screaming the lyrics to that and Streets of Fire as loud as humanly possible. Yes. So I, I like to say, you know, when my wife or someone says, why do you like Springsteen so much? And I said, aside from how broad his catalog is and the ability to reflect so many different emotions, my favorite phrase I use is gut-wrenching intensity. You know, he take, he t- it's like getting to the top of a roller coaster that he guides you down with every song. To hear that kind of passion and raw emotion and intensity is something you just don't see in today's music that much, if at all. When he, when he belts out Drive All Night, this last concert in Albany, my wife was with me. And I just held her and wrapped my arms around her. But when he hits those notes, I sat there, I cried like a little girl. I admit it because I just, I truly love my wife and I would drive all night just to buy her a pair of shoes or to feel her tender charms. And it's a deeply personal quasi religious experience. So last night I um, had my guest, I recorded an episode and he's a rabbi (laughs) and we spent some time uh that episode will be out pretty soon he talked about um saying that how spiritual and how he felt not just the music but the actual concert itself was a religious experience it felt like a service to him and not just because of the music but because of the closeness and and the how everyone felt about each other. So I totally agree with you. I um, Land of Hope and Dreams is one of my favorite songs. And um, when we had a little bit of a family crisis and my son in college, a little bit of struggle, and I we're driving him back and he's just feeling depressed and has no hope you know i played land of hope and dreams and i talked about faith will be rewarded this is just one point in your life journey and so when i heard that song live after that experience i'm like you i cried just the emotions well i just sent you something via facebook one of our uh, one of our local clergy was at the same concert and after the infamous letter I took a lot of heat from different people thinking I was comparing Springsteen to God and which, you know, it had nothing to do with that. And I don't want to go out of order in your podcast, but all I was saying was, you know, think of how many kids would be late for school. If God himself arose, you know, you'd excuse that. I said, seeing Springsteen is sort of like that for me. It has, it carries that kind of importance and for my daughters, but this, uh, I took a lot of heat for that. And one of the fathers from one of the local congregations wrote this very touching, very beautiful letter on why the very best aspects of a Springsteen show are like religion. And I just, I just sent it to you via Facebook, so do with it what you will. But it was very touching. I will. Uh, I have read it. I will include it in the show notes. Yes, in case you guys have not figured Uh, We were going to get to this a little later, but since you brought it up, this is a good time. Patrick is the infamous, famous? Infamous, yes. Yes. Not famous. Uh, Yes. Um, 
dad that wrote a get out of jail free card, a excuse my daughter for being late letter that went viral. I'm going to ask you about that, but first I want to tell you before this went viral, I read the letter the first time it was posted, you know, one of the few times, and I immediately called my wife because uh, my son is now 27, but I don't remember exactly when, while he was still in elementary school, I got tickets to the Texas Rangers opening day, which is, you know, in April usually. I took him out of school to go to opening day because it's like a 105 start. And Chris, he was young enough, like, what are we going to tell people? And I said, I'm going to tell him the truth. I'm taking it opening day because... In my opinion, whatever he misses in that day of school isn't as in whatever they would have covered in that day of school isn't as important that his dad took a day off work and took him to a baseball game. And we did that probably eight or nine years in a row. Then he was a freshman in college and I went to the opening day without him and it just didn't feel right. I mean, it, it was almost sad. And so uh, we stopped going. And then the Rangers ended up getting good. And now then you can't get opening day tickets because he's back from college. He's like, Dad, we got to do opening day. I said, it sold out too quick. Patrick, that was my first thought. How wonderful this parent is sharing something they love with their child. And I also love the fact that you didn't lie about it. I probably would have given the whole day off. They could have taken the whole day. But I just thought it was really cool. And so it reminded me of a very happy memory with my son. And he, Chris, still talks about opening day and how much fun we used to have going there and watching the games. We should all be so lucky as to have those kinds of experiences with our parents and special people in their lives. And, you know, it, it opened up a whole, there were so many interesting debates, you know, Kathy Lee and Hoda on the Today Show. I don't know if you caught that bit, but Hoda was, there was Team Hoda and Team Kathy Lee of, do you not take the kid out of school for any reason? And then Kathy Lee was absolutely, you know, spending time with your family is every bit as important. And it was, that was interesting, but it became almost in some areas, a referendum on parenting. I had people saying I was an unfit parent and, you know, one, one really rotten person. I'll tell you, this shows how detrimental the internet can be as well. I had, there was one guy on a local blog that said, Oh great. He takes her to the concert. So she, you know, she just parties until she's pregnant. And I, I laid into this guy in a big way. I was like, you know what? My daughter has a 98 average in honors courses. She very rarely misses school. She volunteers at a local senior center. She's a black belt. She's a Girl Scout. She was one of the leads in her school's play. You know, she's an incredibly empathetic, dynamic, intelligent, funny, sweet child. And you're going to say something like that on social media, having never met her. I was beyond enraged you know if she didn't have all those things let's say she was just an average student the idea that 
one, you're honest in the letter, and two, that you want to spend, you know, just because you can say it doesn't mean you should say it on the internet. And right. we will not get into this mess the whole time, <laughs> but it does get me mad. You know, I posted when I read this, I said, uh, oh, someone posted, I guess, about, um, well, my fellow teachers, would you excuse this? And I said, if I was the teacher, I first off would have put her on the spot and said, okay, you need to do a show report. I want to hear about it. And I think for the experience of, I think there's a real good learning experience there to share about, let's talk about this and what you're going to do. And I then would pick, and next time you need to tell me when you're going so I can join you. Well, some other sides to that. My daughter, Sarah, first off, I didn't drag either of my girls. They're both huge Springsteen fans. Uh, I, I One of the things I love, and I know you've read this because you've seen some of the posts, but when my daughter was four, she saw her first show. And before that, she'd be in the car, and if I had anything else on, she'd be like, she'd have her fingers in her mouth. She'd take her fingers out of her mouth and say, Daddy, play Springsteen. And I'd put on something from like Born in the USA, and she'd be like, no, Daddy old Springsteen play, play Thundercrack. And I'm like, wow, that is as close to a parenting win as I'm ever going to see. That is, and, uh, you almost could argue that brainwash the child. <laughs> um, that is wonderful. My son, um, grew up with a steady diet beach boys because I was, I'm obsessed with Brian Wilson and the beach. Also boys. another big one. Yeah. I, see the, the beach boys played two years ago here in Saratoga. Yeah. The- the original lineup right yes i was i I saw bruce yeah yeah and and then there's a local band um from denton called brave combo that does rock and roll polkas and we would take him to those shows a lot because they would often be at venues where like a, a vfw check club where you could buy setups you could bring in your own alcohol and there would just be tons of dancing, all this family. That's where I drew the, I drew the line. Yeah. I did not let either of my girls bring in their own alcohol. <laughs> yes. They had to pay concession stand prices. For You've beer, got a standard. Like everyone else. <laughs> so, so Chris would always say, Dad, it's always a good time to polka. And, and then um, the beautiful um, a singer-songwriter named Sarah Hickman is from the Dallas area. She now lives in Austin. Her first album, which came out in 88, she said, and she had a whole list of people she was thanking, but on one of it was Jesse, Linda, and Baby, because Chris hadn't been born yet. He grew up listening to Sarah and Brave Combo, and so I've been very vocal about this. He was never a Springsteen fan, Um, and over the past few years, as I've become more and more obsessed um, he has gotten through just hanging with me, um, listening to it. And so we're going to Oklahoma City for his um, first show. We're going together. Going this, this Oklahoma City? Yes. I will see you there, sir. All right. I'm making the flight arrangements tonight. There's a great story with that, too, that I don't know how much time you have on the podcast, but... You know, very rarely do I friend people on Facebook that I don't know, but uh, I had met a Bruce fan by the name of Donna, Donna Bermia, very, very sweet woman. And oddly enough, she asked me, when is the podcast going to be on? Because I want to hear it. 
But we lamented that her being in Oklahoma, me being in upstate New York, I would probably never get to meet her. And she lamented the fact that Bruce probably hasn't ever or very rarely played Oklahoma. And I said, someday you'll get to see him live and you'll understand a lot of these things that I, I glom on about. And when he announced, she reached out to me and was like, I'm finally going to get to see him. And this is very important to her because sadly, her she lost her husband last year just out of the blue. No warning sign done. And she's the sweetest woman. So I have a bunch of Southwest Air Miles to burn off. So after I get off of the podcast, I'm going to be booking my uh, flight to Oklahoma City. And I'm going to be looking for tickets. So I don't know if you got your tickets yet. But I'd love to meet up with you there. I, I, we we did, and um, what I did in Pittsburgh is I brought a recorder, and I we went to wherever the meetup was, and I kind of did a pre-show um, episode, and so uh, I want to do that again. I'm I'm flying to Louisville on Sunday. Um, that was my Christmas present. I started a new job uh, the first part of December, and so Bruce is touring. Told. My wife has said, I really wanted to do Louisville and Cleveland and just kind of take off three or four days. And I even told them in the interview that I had pre, I had plans already made. I said, but, you know, I just don't feel right starting a new job and taking it off. So right. Pittsburgh is a Saturday. I can fly into Pittsburgh, come back. I've never seen the opening of a tour um, I will have seen him, and you know what? I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for the new job. And so Linda, behind my back, um, went and bought me a ticket to Louisville and then bought airline tickets. Um, she even – I mean she did it so I didn't even know what was going on. She, I didn't even see the charges. It, this was totally surprised when on Christmas Eve there's this box that I opened, and there's these seven envelopes all numbered. And they were each talking about, uh, and she worked it out so that I could fly in and I would arrive on Monday morning at eight o'clock and could just drive straight to work so I wouldn't miss work. I'm now a little more comfortable at work. That I'm <laughs> like, can I take a vacation day on Monday? Oh yeah, sure. No problem, Jesse. But, and, and she is the first, the, the first time we really enjoyed Bruce together was in 2012 and we drove up to Cleveland and then we went to see him later that year in Louisville, and we called it our Bruce and Bourbon tours because we would do the distilleries, bourbon distilleries, yep. and tour. And so that's kind of Bruce and Bourbon are all mixed together with her. And she says, I can't believe I'm sending you to Louisville without me. I said, well, it's on a Sunday. It's going to be hard for – we wouldn't have had time to get anything anyway. So um, that is great. You're going to be in Oklahoma City. I can't wait yes, to sir. see you. Um so how many times have you seen Bruce, um, even including this, the show in Albany? This was number 15, Oklahoma okay. City will be 16. So compared to a lot of your listeners, probably very few times. I'm only but, at 11. Uh, and, com compared to others. Uh, yes. You know, I, I, they, I don't know if you saw it, but in Albany, Bruce had invited the guy in the checkered shirt backstage. Yes. Who had been at every stop. I thought that was hilarious. So. <laughs> Can you imagine being at a show and all of a sudden Bruce points to you and says, meet me backstage? No, I, I, can't. I can't even fathom it. My my favorite story about that is the Springsteen and I, you know, Springsteen and me documentary and where they show the guy who 
his wife is the fan and he's not. And he talks about, uh, I don't know if you've seen the documentary. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. But you know, I love that guy talking about, I go to all these cities with museums and architecture and instead we go to a rock concert and like, what would you tell Bruce Springsteen if you could make it shorter? <laughs> you know what? It's funny that you just said that. Yeah. Could, two things. One, Good Morning America did a little Skype broadcast with us last week, which is why I, I very rarely Skype, so I didn't know the name. But um, when they Skyped with the whole family with us, I don't know if they cut it or it just hasn't shown yet. But they said if you could ever talk to Bruce or ask him any question or – say something, what would you say? And the funny story behind that is I had the opportunity to stand two feet from Bruce for probably a good 45 minutes, just me, Bruce, and his manager, and not say a word. And it, I, I like to describe it as the greatest day of my life and the worst day of my life. Because prior to owning Ben & Jerry's, I worked in a lot of different restaurants. I did professional culinary work. And uh, when Bruce, a good friend of mine, runs the catering for the Performing Arts Center here in Saratoga, and when Bruce was doing the Seeger Sessions tour, I called him up and I said, look, I want to be part of the backstage chef team on this one. He's, you know, for you, no problem. So I've got the catering truck, and we're starting to go down the hill. We have to wait because one of the sound trucks is pulling out, and it's very narrow. So we don't know how long that's going to take. I get out of the catering truck and I'm just standing there. Who pulls behind me but the limo? Out comes Bruce and his manager. And literally came right up next to me, didn't say a word. His manager was like, do you know how long they'll be? I said, no, no, I don't. And I'm, I'm staring right at Bruce and I'm trying not to stare. I'm trying to be professional. But one covenant my friend made was, look, in the off chance you run into Bruce or one of the band, especially if he's with his manager, do not say a word. Don't ask for an autograph. Don't, you know, meanwhile, I'm standing here and I want to be like, I love you, <laughs> but, but I couldn't, uh, 45 minutes. It was the most painful thing I'd ever experienced other than watching my wife have one of our daughters. <laughs> so true story. So on the good morning America thing, they said, what would you say? And I said, all I want to tell him, I'm not even looking for an autograph or anything like that. I just want to tell him thank you and how much his music has meant to me over, you know, the last 30, 40 years. Because without it, truly, there were some episodes in my teenage years where I wonder if I would have even made it through to the other side without his music. So I just want to thank him. So if you ever run into Bruce... Thank him from the Ben and Jerry's guy. <laughs> I will. And, you know, I've talked about this on the podcast. I spent a nine months this uh, past year on an unplanned sabbatical. I played better days a lot because my philosophy is that you need to enjoy the journey and that there is a purpose to this life. There is a plan. And it's easy to believe that when things are going well. And it's easy to believe there's a plan when you see how the plan is progressing. But for this nine months where, you know, it came close to getting a job multiple times and it just didn't work through, um, you know, and I would play better days. And I'd say, you know, standing around waiting for my life to begin while it's all just slipping away, you know, enjoy this journey. Understand that 
there is, you know, one day we'll all look at this and it'll be funny. Absolutely. And so, absolutely. And I think that's what I would say. I would tell him nothing original, and I would even say that, you know, Bruce, nothing I can tell you is is going to be clever, clever, or, you know, something you haven't heard. Your music has helped me through many hard times. It's helped me celebrate. Um, there is not a time when my son went through first and eighth grade at a uh, small Catholic school. And then he went to public high school. And he would always swing by the campus of the St. Monica Catholic School. And I always, without him realizing, would have glory days ready to go. <laughs> and, yeah, and he would like... Yeah, yeah, Dad. I know, I know. So, um, so Patrick, why do you think your well? First off, what made you think of writing an excuse for your daughter um, with her being late after going to the show? What made all you... that was my my wife's a teacher in the school district. We take education very seriously, but. Um, as you'll see from some of my Facebook posts, I use, I, I'm like a failed comedy writer. So I use Facebook and other avenues of writing solely to be silly and try to make people laugh. So initially I know the women in the office at my wife's school and that's where Sarah goes. One of the things I was going to say too, Sarah's teacher was at the show. And as were me members of the board of education, because when they caught wind of the letter, Every one of the board members, there was a board meeting the next day, and I, I believe that uh, he was late and said, "Sorry, I was at Springsteen last night." And they were like, "Ah, someone's already used that excuse." So it just kind of, kind of shows how a sense of humor. But my wife, uh, I know all the women that work in the office at my wife's school, so I wrote it number one because I know the amount of BS excuses they get from parents. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go with honesty here and I'm going to word it in such a way that it'll make them laugh. And they thought it was hilarious. So then I, I, when they saw it was hilarious, I said, you know, just as a lark, I'll put it on Facebook because some of my friends knowing my humor will get a kick out of it. Like only, only I would be so stupid as to write something like that. And a lot of people got a kick out of it. Well, and, you know, Patrick, one of the common things – I have seen, especially during baseball season, is uh, they will, the baseball team will put out a form letter from the manager saying, you know, please excuse where you can put in your name from work today. I need him to cheer on the team, you know, for a day game. Yeah. Kind of as a, totally true. Yeah, as a gag, you know. You're speaking my language. I've coached Little League Baseball for 26 years now. Yeah. And umpired. I actually just had the very nice honor of being put in the New York State Baseball Hall of Fame. Oh, very nice. Even though I was completely undeserving of it. But uh, I didn't the, know I was talking to a Hall of Famer. Wow. Hall of Fame in Cooperstown. Just the <laughs> yeah, New York Hall. Yes, I understand. But for a baseball fan, it was it was the one of the greatest days of my life. And oddly enough, I had to go up and speak because all the inductees had to speak. And I had to speak after Kenny Singleton. And I was like, wow. You know, so I used, again, that platform mostly for comedy. And I remember telling the audience, I was like, how do you follow Kenny Singleton? I said, you know, I always try to put a good spin on it. I'm going to tell everyone tomorrow that I was protecting him in the lineup. 
So they got a kick out of that. But so when I hear you talk about baseball it, with, you know, similar of us with Springsteen, yes. You and I share three things between Springsteen, baseball, and Star Trek. Uh, we are muy simpatico. <laughs> yes. So, Patrick, I, I, I have to share you this story. So, and it's, it wasn't as a joyous occasion, but my friend Rick Lisko, who loved music, I think more than anyone I know, uh, first person that knew John Hyatt just loved obscure bands and mainstream bands. And he had been, we, he was dating a girl named Jennifer. I was dating Linda. Jennifer and Linda had been friends since like the first grade. This was while they were going to college. Rick and I got kind of thrown together in like 1980, 81. We slowly got to be friends when him and Jennifer were, I was an usher at his wedding and um, they moved to Dallas. We were, and then when Jennifer and him divorced, the joke was um, Rick got custody of Linda and Jesse. Um, <laughs> it was not a pleasant divorce and um, Jennifer was very bitter and wanted us to be bitter too. And we decided we couldn't be, we wanted to be friends with both, but um Three years ago, he had a embolism and almost died immediately. And so, um, like on February 14th, and it was just devastating. And by the way, Rick had once said, we went to Jefferson, Texas to Antique. And I said, wow, I wonder if I can find, you know, some Star Trek memorabilia or something. And he said, Jesse, there's more to life than GD Star Trek. And he did not say GD. Um, and so they asked me to speak at the funeral. And um, the chief uh, executive of um, FedEx Kinko, um, FedEx office now, spoke. And he was absolutely beautiful. And then uh, Tracy, who was one of the attorneys that worked with him was absolutely beautiful her she told what wonderful stories about rick and she talked about his three daughters and his two stepdaughters and just it was this absolutely eloquent funny touching speech and as chris tells later he's going man dad is screwed <laughs> there's just <laughs> no way he can beat tracy wow and so i'm sitting there and um and i of course i quoted land of hope and dreams um and then i um i said my friend rick has a wonderful sense of humor and rick would always love to practical jokes and make you know people laugh and i believe his last joke was having me follow tracy the whole service cracked up and then everyone was on my side and then i was able to just talk with from my heart about how much i missed rick and um and so that's your story reminds me of that that you know humor does help i appreciate you letting me share no, absolutely. Um, Have you ever heard Terry's song? Yes. 
As I was listening to you discuss that, that was all I could think of. What a beautiful song. What a beautiful tribute by Bruce to his friend, too. Yes, and I almost quoted that, ended up going with Land and Hope and Dreams. Absolutely, I love Terry's song. We will have to do this again. Anytime. Um, yeah, I, I, you know what? I consider it a great, great honor. I listen to East Street Radio on Sirius all the time in my car. And to be on any podcast, or I, I, someone once said, would you ever like to be famous? And I said, I never want to be famous, but the only thing I'd want to do is to be able to do my own set list on E Street Radio someday. That, that's the one thing if, if someone said, why would you want to be famous? And it'd, it'd be for that. And even It's funny, just distilling down my favorite Bruce Springsteen songs, I'm looking at my Bruce favorites playlist. It's 90 songs long. Those are just the favorites. That's more than you know any five artists' whole careers, and those are just my favorites. So, Patrick, if you had to drop it down to five, um, I could do five. Okay, so um, what we're going to save that. I'm going to have you on again, and we're going to talk about that because I got lucky enough to be the boss, and I got to do five songs, and it was really hard. Um, you talked about, and I'm going to go throw back to the beginning of our discussion of Drive All Night, and you. Um, the affection you felt for your wife and crying. Um, <laughs> Linda, I think, takes it with a little bit of humor and she just kind of rolls her eyes. But, you know, every anniversary I post Linda Let Me Be the One and I say, I'm so glad she did let me be the one. And that was one of the songs I picked for my Be the Boss segment. And <laughs> Linda's like, <sighs> just because my name's Linda. I said, well, it could have been Mary. It could have been Wendy, you know. See, now, this shows how arrogant my wife is. Her favorite song is She's the One. Yes. And I think the only reason she likes it is because she knows that that's how I feel whenever I hear the song. Oh, that's so. awesome. <laughs> um, is there... Why, why do you think the letter went viral? Why do you think this went crazy? Um, part of it was pure chance. But the other side of it is, you know, in this day and age, in the 24-hour news cycle, and the absolute, for lack of a better word, goat hump that is the presidential election, there's so much negative out there that it was generally, for those who took it in the spirit intended, it was a lighthearted, great human interest type item. So it, it, it got weird. I got to tell you, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie War Games you know, the old Matthew Broderick at the end, that's what it felt like. I was sitting with my laptop in front of me and just the number of texts that showed up, Facebook posts, you know, because I have my computer set to alert me when it, 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 I couldn't even keep up with it. I mean, hundreds of posts were coming through every 10 seconds. It was bizarre, but I think, I think it was a feel good story. It was a feel good story. How many interviews have you done? Oh my God. With it, after I, I sat and saw it, I posted it. I woke up the next morning and I had like 300 comments. And I then went to check my cell phone and all four of our local news stations wanted to come up and do an interview. Two of them did it at once. So I did it with all of them. Then we had the Today Show. They did a thing, but they didn't interview us. The, oh, why am I... Inside Edition did something that that it played on. Good Morning America. 
Yeah, and a lot of my friends who are too funny, they're like, if it doesn't show up on Jimmy Fallon or Ellen, it never happened. So that's what I kept saying. I, I was a little scared by it at first. My my wife was one, she was mortified because she was a teacher, and the last thing she wanted was for someone to come up and say, you know, to one of the administrators, like her principal, you know, how can you be a teacher and you just allow your husband to, to yank your kids out of school? What they don't realize is that's very rare. I mean, my girls missed three to four days of school in a year, you know, so. And you know where I'm at. You know, I am at this. I think it's the time rare and appropriate. Absolutely. Uh, you know, my friend, you know, not my friend. Uh, I love Penn Gillette's podcast and he, you know, he's lost over a hundred pounds. And one of the I things that, <laughs> uh, yeah, he talks about that. The guy that's doing his nutrition program talks about rare and appropriate eating something you would uh, quote unquote cheat rare, rarely. And when it's an appropriate time. So I think pulling your children out of school should be done rare and appropriately. Yeah. Well, there's more to this too. Let's face it. And I'm not just shilling because this is a, a Springsteen podcast, but the man is part of our American lexicon at this point. He is a national treasure and it is no different going to a Springsteen show than it would be to take an afternoon off to go to the Smithsonian where we've been as well. And I don't mean that to say before, God forbid, people are like, what, what is he saying? Is he saying Bruce is old? Are they saying he's a fossil? No, not at all. But by the same token, the man is 66 years old playing three hours a night. I don't know how many tours he's got left in him. I hope it's, a, I hope, you know, he tours for another 40 years, but the, but the realist in me says, Hey, you never know when he's going to do a police up here and just say, this is it. This is it. And, and I want at some point, the greatest thing for my daughters, you know, when, when kids talk, well, they're not kids anymore, but when people talk about how they saw Ed Sullivan or uh, the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show, I want my girls to not only say, we saw Bruce Springsteen and we didn't just see him on a TV. We were at a Bruce Springsteen concert. So they, they will have shared in part of, in a part of Americana that not everyone gets to see. They'll have witnessed history first, firsthand. I totally agree. Obviously I'm a fan. I'm doing a podcast. I will tell you, I was very honored because I reached out to you and I said, look, after the dust settles, I just, I'd like to have you on the podcast. And you were kind enough to say something along the lines of, oh, finally something that I want to happen happens on this. Uh, and that's just, that made me smile. I told my wife about this on one of the things we did on Friday um, when the weather was so nice is I read your letter and we talked about Chris and I playing hooky for him to go to baseball and I read some of the negative responses and I read a little bit of uh, some of the positive responses and she was she just thought it was very cool that you were wanting to come talk to me because she doesn't understand this podcasting thing she's like why why does anyone want to talk to you I said it's not me it's it's talking about Bruce People love to share their stories, but it was, I was like, oh my God, I'll get to be on a podcast and talk to someone who gets it. You know, when you try to talk to the uninitiated, the, the people that maybe haven't heard of him at all or only heard him on the radio, you know, you're, nothing can do 
justice to Bruce until you've seen him live. I was a fan before I saw him live. I loved it. But I was a convert, groupie, hippie, nut job after I saw him live. Which, incidentally, my first show I had bootleg tickets for and had to stand outside and didn't get in. I found out afterward that they were counterfeit tickets and I have never been more crushed in my entire life. In Syracuse at the Carrier Dome back in, it was either 84 or 85, but I, I'll never forget that. So so I have one that's not quite as sad, but it's a little sad. My friend Sam, who, um, if you're playing the set lusting Bruce drinking game, take a drink, um, because I mentioned him. Sam's a huge Dylan fan and a huge Springsteen fan, and um, he talked about that one of the uh, musicians on the Seeger Sessions um, brother was Sam's brother's roommate or something like that. There's, I, I always get it wrong, but there, were, there was a close connection. And um, they went to a show with the connection, and at the end of the show, um, the brother started heading and went backstage. And Sam and Sam's brother, Josh, were like, well, I guess that's us. And so they headed home. So Sam's cleaning up this old years later, and he gets at it, and he looks at the pass he had, and it was an all-access pass. Oh. <laughs> and he's like, but can I take it now and look? I didn't use this last time. Can I use it now? <laughs> Um, I, yeah, it's funny you say that. My sad story of when I catered for him, I actually cooked, literally cooked for him. By the way, he likes chicken soup, clear broth, all white meat. Make sure there's saran wrap over it. <laughs> but um, after cooking for Bruce the time backstage and not getting to talk to him, which was the saddest day of my life, it was also the happiest day because I got the security near the soundboard turned out to be one of the fathers of one of my little leaguers. So I watched the entire Seeger session show from the soundboard, like eight, eight feet from the performers backstage in my chef's gear. And it was such an awesome, awesome show. And I remember thinking, uh, Seeger sessions. It was truly was one of the best shows I've ever seen. And one of my favorite albums to play. You know, my Oklahoma home, especially, you know, that was how I had met this woman, Donna, out in Oklahoma City. And I, I hope to God he plays my Oklahoma home out there. So that would be nice. Um, is there anything besides that you want to hear the next time you go to a show? Um, there's always something I want to hear. I, it's funny, too, because I like some of the eclectic stuff. I love Seaside Bar Song. And he played that the last time in Albany, not this time around. And one of my dear friends from high school who I played baseball with, I bowled with, um, he works at the restaurant that my family and I frequent, he has triplet daughters. And one of the best moments in my Springsteen lore story was watching and Bruce started saying, now is your time. And he's reaching down and they're not picking up on it. I said, now is your time. And he's like trying to motion them to come up on stage. All three of them were in Bruce shirts. They were probably eh, eight years old at the time. 
And, and all three of them went up and danced to the Seaside Bar song. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, my God, that's Goldie's kids out there. So it, it was a great, you know, I think all of us have special Springsteen moments. If you've gone to shows and whatnot, that was one of my favorites. And now even this letter, as much as I have to say, if I had known it was going to do what it did, probably never would have put it out there. You know, because but I just one, I wouldn't want people to think we were grandstanding. And two, I knew my wife would be mortified. I didn't think it would go any further than Facebook. But stories like that, where my friend had his girls up on stage and now this, that's the folklore that makes being a Springsteen fan so cool because everyone has stories like this. And, you know, that's my one thing I'll be able to tell people 30 years from now is, I have a little teeny, 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 tiny pin dot of that legacy and folklore of very cool Springsteen things, you know, just like the Elvis guy in Philly. Yeah, uh, by, which, by the way, has been on the podcast and is going to come back. Um, so go check that episode out. That was a fun discussion with Nick. If Bruce's camp reached out to you and said they wanted to meet you, you would – even though I you're drop what I was doing, <laughs> hide my own. I, I used to tell everyone, you know, I've had many brushes with fame and cooked for some famous people and never phases me ever. And they're like, there's, there isn't one, there isn't one person. I was like, yeah, there's one. And that's Bruce. And it's, it has less to do with the fact that he's famous and more to do that. He's not a God to me, but he means so much in the span of my whole life. And it'd be like if you had a very, very, very close relative who meant so much to you, you never met. And then suddenly you get to meet him. I, I would drop whatever I was doing anywhere. I used to kid around and say, are you kidding me? I'd kill my own mom to meet him, which obviously I wouldn't. That's a joke. But uh, the man's great. And the fact that he is as down to earth as he is, and I've had many friends that have met him and have said that. I've actually just missed him a couple of times. Um, our beautiful town, Saratoga, is known for health, history, and horses. And if you know anything about his daughter, Jessica, she is a champion caliber rider. So he was at a couple of the horse shows where we sponsored and did concessions for selling ice cream and i missed him literally by like minutes and he was talking with people in the crowd i don't even want to i i promise not to hug him or anything like that i just want to say thank you and shake his hand but if my girls got to meet him that would be a trip as well because my girls literally were fans in the womb and they've only gotten better i have never pushed Bruce or the band on them. I knew they were going to be big, big, big Springsteen fans, you know, right out of the gate. When Sarah, when Isabel went to her first show in Hartford when she was four and Clarence looked right up at her and smiled, I was like, yep, she's hooked for life now. So, and I, you know, this one of the, you had said, if you could narrow it down to five songs, one of my five would be stand on it. Because if you know the lyric, you know, he wouldn't have got out of, out of Italy, and that's for sure, without Queen Isabella standing on the shore. And when she was little, she always thought that Bruce wrote that lyric for her. She didn't obviously didn't know about the Queen of, of Spain being Isabella, but she would say, Daddy, Bruce said my name. So Stand On It and Thundercrack were her first favorite songs. 
and then um, Lonesome Day after that. But uh, the stand on it would be in my top five just for that reason. Because when you're looking at a three and four year old girl that thinks that is so sweetly naive that she thinks the boss wrote a lyric just for her and, and seeing her eyes light up whenever it would come on and she would recognize it. You know, <laughs> one of my favorite things that I like to say, I put another flip and post on Facebook while I was at the show which I don't usually post too much when I'm at a Springsteen show. But I said, I said, you know what? I will take my daughters knowing the lyrics to Springsteen songs over your kid getting an honor roll bumper sticker any day. So <laughs> they know most of the lyrics to most of the songs. It's too funny. Yeah, that's that's great. They had a great time, too. Oh, they that's wonderful. Time. They love them. Mm-hmm. So as does their father. And one of the sweetest things I've ever heard, you know, you always think of your kids and you, there's nothing you wouldn't do for your children. And the woman from good morning America asked each of us, if you could ask Bruce one thing, or if you could say one thing and Isabel was the last to go. And they said, you know, they said, what would you say to him? And she said, you know, I love Bruce, but I love my dad and he does a lot of nice things for a lot of people. I would ask Bruce if he could just meet my father just once because I know how much it would mean to him. And I like sobbed at that point. I'm tearing up just thinking about it. You know, the fact that a a barely 12 year old girl could be that selfless and that sweet, you know, it made me think, God, through all the stupid things I've done, at least, at least we've done okay on the parenting side of things. So that that is awesome. Um, Incidentally, on that, not to cut you off. No, Sarah asked him. They said, Sarah, what would you ask him? And she's barely seven and said, you know, I'd ask him why his butt is on the cover of Born in the USA. (laughs) Because the butt looked better than his face. I I showed her the answer. I someone had posted that on one of the forums. Yes. I said, honey, Bruce answered your question. So she thinks that. That was designed solely for her, that answer. Oh, that is awesome. True story. All this is true. None of this is embellished. Um, thank you so much. Um, we will talk more. We will have to find each other in Oklahoma. Absolutely. I want to introduce you to my son. He thought this was great. Um, I, I want to have you on again. We didn't even talk about the River Tour and how much that must mean to you if that being as close to your favorite album. Um, And I want to know, we didn't even get into Star Trek. I I didn't get to ask who was your favorite captain or your favorite series. Well, it's funny you say that. My cat's sitting right next to me, and his name is Captain, because we couldn't decide whether to call him Kirk, Pike, Cisco, or Picard. Nice. And he's a guy, so he couldn't be Janeway. Yeah. Just dropped the last, and he became captain for that reason. Oh, that is great. True story. That is wonderful. This has been such a great honor and thrill for me, so thank you for reaching out. No problem. Anytime, I I would do this anytime. Yeah, that sounds great, and um, I appreciate that a lot. Um, If you want to be on the podcast and talk about Bruce and all that implies – please send me an email at setlustingbruce at gmail.com. We do have a Facebook page and a Twitter account, both of them, setlustingbruce. My personal Twitter is at jessejacksondfw. Patrick, where can they find you? 
Uh, I am at PP8010 on Twitter. I very rarely tweet, but I monitor it closely. And then I can be found on on Facebook under Patrick Papino, P-I-P-I-N-O. And I am somewhat of a Facebook hound. I'm almost always on. That's how I, I keep in touch with a lot of people. And um, if they want to get Ben and Jerry's ice cream, where do they go? Saratoga Springs, New York, but any scoop shop. Okay. Uh, we, we love that. Love fans of the brand. That's the I, other thing. Bruce, if you're listening, not that you need it, but you have a lifetime of free ice cream for your kids and yourself. And I will tell you right now, if you're listening and you're anywhere close to Sarasota. Saratoga. Saratoga. Thank you. I, if, if you go into Patrick's shop and say, hey, yeah, I heard you on set listing Bruce. If he sends me your name, I will send you a free set listing Bruce T-shirt that I will have to pay for myself. But to have someone go that meta, to go to your shop and say, yeah, I heard you on the podcast, I would be <laughs> like, wow, that is awesome. Um, thank you so much. This was great. I, You know, I always try to end with a quote. And, um, I, you know, Rosalita, and then I said, you know, I could always um, – do no surrender um, because you got a lot of that, right? We learned more from a three minute record than we yeah, ever learned in school. The, that was kind of the punchline. <laughs> yeah. And so, which was so appropriate, you know, I think I'm just going to end very simple with have a little faith. There's magic in the night. I know he meant this. The song is meant this ironically, but the truth is we Springsteen fans do try to take care of our own. And I am so proud that the major feedback you got was positive. And I will tell you that loving your kids and spending time with them is truly one of the best things in the world. I, I'll tell you a quick story. So I've, I don't remember what birthday it was, but it was my 50th or 51st birthday. It was something. My son was still young enough that um, he was ate up with wrestling, WWE. And one of the shows was happening on June 3rd, which is my birthday. And he took all of his money and paid for the tickets himself for his dad and him to go to the wrestling. And Steve Austin, you know, I and I I posted this on Facebook back in the day, but I, I said I, I watched people not take off their hats during the national anthem. I watched Stone Cold Steve Austin pretend to urinate on somebody because it's better to be pissed on than to be pissed off or better to be pissed off than be pissed on. I I watched Chris scream and yell and have a blast. And I was never happier that my son wanted this to share this with me on my birthday. Right. Yep. And. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, and so I think whether it's Springsteen or going to, you know, I I I did not have a daughter. I had a son, but I'm telling you, if I had a daughter who wanted to go see, God, I'm going to date myself, but you know, the Backstreet Boys or go see, you know, Frozen on Ice, I would go in a minute because 
there's going to be a point in that teenage years where your kid doesn't want to hang with you. <laughs> it's already starting. Right? With the exception of the concert. Yeah. And so, uh, and now they come back. And, you know, my son, every Sunday for the Cowboy game is here at the house. And, you know, for uh, Ranger playoff games and, and other things. So um, I just want to tell you, Patrick, I, I think um, you and your lovely bride are doing a great job. I think that you should be proud of your um, kids and your family, and I'm just so honored that you're part of this uh, Springsteen community. Well, thank you for saying that. Let me close with this. You know, none of this was supposed to happen. It, it was a lark. It was a lighthearted letter. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm just a kid that love. Or I'm just a guy that loves his his daughters more than anything in the whole world, and to share something as great as Springsteen with them that they want to see is beyond a joy for me. You know, I, I had said to people all the time, we have three rules in our house and we truly do be kind to everyone, help whoever you can. When the boss brings the band to town, you make sure you're there. And we live by that. And interesting hearing your Ranger story too, because last year we were lucky enough to go on a family vacation to Hawaii and my then 11-year-old daughter and I went scuba diving. And we did three dives. And we did this one dive where it was a father and his daughter and myself and my daughter. We get out. We're out in our scuba gear. And I ask him what he does. And he says, well, I'm kind of into baseball. And I said, me too. I've coached Little League for X number of years. And I said, how do you get into baseball? He said, well, mostly because of my father. He said, he's the general manager of the Rangers. I said, I, I, I'll send you the picture after we go. Oh, that's awesome. And I said, that's impossible. The GM of the Rangers is Nolan Ryan. And he said, yeah, I'm his son. <laughs> <laughs> I have a picture of the four of us from scuba diving. And we had a great baseball talk before we went under the waves when we were just, you know, floating out to the dive spot. But at the end of the day, you know, we all, you, myself, and a lot of people out there, we just love our kids more than anything. And the time is short. You know, we all have an image, at least I'd like to believe we all have an image of what we want to think about someday on our deathbed. And truly, other than my wedding day, I'm going to remember the times being at the Springsteen shows with my daughters. That's what I, that's the memory I want to carry with me as I cross over from this life to the next one. I'm just a guy that loves his daughters more than anything in the world. Amen, brother. And I think that's that says it all. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, listeners. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great night, Jesse. We'll see you in Oklahoma City.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.